podcast listeners. This is the latest educational podcast, the Georgia High School Principals Podcast, a podcast by high school principals for high school principals and all educators of Georgia. I am your host, Jim Finch, and I'm the principal of Mary Persons High School located in Forsyth, Georgia. Our mission and vision of this project is to interview high school principals across our state for the sake of professional learning. Thanks for listening to the Georgia High School Principals Podcast. This is the latest episode, which is episode 14. Today we're back on our normal guest list of high school principal or high school principals. And episode 14's guest is none other than Dr. Marvin Crumbs, who is the principal at Columbus High School in Columbus, Georgia. How are you today, Dr. Crumbs? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Jim? I'm doing very well. For all of our podcast listeners, Dr. Crumbs and I, actually met while serving as officers in the Georgia Association of Secondary School Principals, which is commonly known around the state as GASSP for Secondary School Principals. So pay attention as we dive into the several topics that Dr. Crumbs thinks uh, are important to high school principals and any aspiring leaders. So Dr. Crumbs, as we begin today, could you just kind of go over your educational resume and background for all of our listeners? Okay, sure. Um, I started in Columbus State University, it was Columbus College at the time in 1989, and I got my bachelor's degree there in um, Allied Health. I got a certification in middle grade education from there as well. And then I followed up with getting my master's in middle grade education from Columbus State University once they made the changeover. I proceeded on to get a specialist degree in early childhood education from Troy State University, and then I finished by getting my uh, doctorate degree from Arkansas University in Sarasota, Florida, in leadership. Okay. And that's, yeah, that's it. How long have you been there at Columbus High? This is my eighth year as principal at Columbus High School. Prior to that, I served two years as principal at Baker Middle School. And prior to that, I was at Columbus High School for three years as an assistant principal. So I basically made my return to Columbus High School in 2011-2012 to become principal. Okay, for our podcast listeners, um, how about telling everybody why it is that you do what you do? Well, the thing about it, I've I've always said, you know, a lot of people go into education um, as like a second choice. Some people love it from day one and know they want to do it ever since they were playing school um, at home. Um, I knew for one thing, I, I, I love helping people and I, I love coaching when I was doing that as a middle school teacher and coaching athletic director. Um, so my why has always been the same. It's just helping young, young people, it's helping kids. Because I think of all the help I got when I was a young man growing up in Cuthbert, Georgia and South Georgia and all those things I learned from people who were not related to me. And 99% of those people were my coaches and my teachers. And I still use those things, those those valuable um, lessons I learned, not only just to help the people in, the, in my building, the students in my building, I use those very same things to help my own children um, as they, you know, as they grew up and they're still growing. But um, my why is simply just to be the best role model for students and children and to help them. That will always be my why. Okay. Uh, how many total years do you have in, in education? 
This will be my 25th year. 25th. 25th year. Okay, what about any career aspirations? You got any next steps that you kind of thought about? Well, uh, I know lately, um, I mean, I always wanted to be a superintendent at some point in time. You know, maybe that'll still come around for some, you know, my my hometown has been, you know, weighing heavy in my heart the last few years uh, for a lot of different reasons. And I, I think it would be just like a, a great storybook ending if I could go back home and be superintendent or help in some way in some capacity in that school district. Um, that Rural counties in Georgia, they all have special, unique stories and they have their own unique set of problems. It's like uh, inner city schools in Georgia um, have problems. And they haven't changed that much. Um, I guess what has changed is the different needs of each individual student and the families within those communities. Uh, but I would love to go back one day and be able to help there in some shape, form, or fashion, um, whether it's a superintendent or whether that's you know, a consultant, whatever may come across. But I, I think those are my future aspirations. Um, other than that, I, I'm just want to continue to learn things and hopefully one day be a very, very good grandfather. Not anytime soon, but um, at some point there. Well, speaking of grandfather, tell us about your uh, family or any hobbies or special interests that you may have. Well, um, I'm married to Kimberly Crumbs. Um, we actually met in college uh, at Columbus State University. I was playing basketball and she was a cheerleader. It almost sounded like a movie type of deal. But um, that's when we met, and um, that was 27 years ago. We've been married for 25 years. Um, uh, she's definitely my better half. Um, I have two kids. I have a, a daughter, um, Tracery Crumb. She's currently um, in med school at Morehouse School of Medicine. She will graduate from med school this month, and we're very proud of her. And I have a son, Marvin Jr., who is a junior at Georgia Tech in Atlanta. Wow. Um, very proud of him also. Um, we're basically, we're empty nesters, and we're enjoying it more than we thought we would. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much my story. And, and I, I love playing golf. Anytime I can get out and play golf, um, I, I do that. Um, it's my exercise. I try to walk at least nine holes two to three times a week um, at my local course. And um, it, it helps me clear my mind and gets me ready for all the things I have to deal with here. Med school in Georgia Tech. I know you are proud. Um, that's, oh, there, yeah. That's uh, that's good stuff there. Um, before we get into the topics, today's topics for Dr. Crumb is going to be athletics, professional learning communities, and uh, as we do with all of our our special guests, we always ask uh, advice for aspiring leaders. But before we get into that. Some people may not know that Columbus High School actually serves as a magnet school in, in Muscogee County there, and I think y'all have several of your high schools that have special magnets. Um, yes. Can you talk about what it is to be a, a principal of a special magnet school and what it is that is your unique magnet there from Muscogee at Columbus High? Okay. Well, I know at Columbus High School, we are college, preparatory, and liberal arts magnet. Um, the crazy thing about that, everyone gets caught up on the whole liberal arts part of it, but we pretty much touch every phase of education. We have several students here who every yearly go to um, MIT and major tech schools around the country and even the Georgia Tech. Um, at the same time, we have a, 
a great program for athletics. We have a great program for theater and drama. We're just very, very well-rounded. Uh, as you mentioned, every other high school here has some form of magnet, and I think that's very, um, that's very good. That's a very good thing, and it's really forward-thinking on our school district's part to be able to touch upon every desire and um, need for every student in Muscogee County, and they can find their place at almost any school, but they can find their specific place at certain schools in the district, and it gives them an opportunity to build upon something that they actually love. And um, each school gets massive amounts of support from the school district. Now, here at Columbus High School, we are the only high school total magnet, um, but we have students from all across the district. We generally take in a freshman class of 350 students a year. Um, um, these students have to pass an enrollment exam, and then while here, they have to pass 28 credit hours of study. Um, where the general, the generals, you only need 23 to graduate in the state of Georgia. We require you to have 28 to graduate from Columbus High School. So the advanced studies here um, are really good. We offer 31 um, AP courses at the current time, and we are also um, have a we are AP Capstone School, so we enroll 48 juniors per year into our AP Capstone program, and they finish each um, senior year with the AP Capstone um, seal on their diplomas, and we're very proud of that. Up until probably like this year, we were the only AP Capstone school outside of the Great Atlanta area, and there were only about a thousand total AP Capstone schools in the world. And that, so that was a very proud feather for us to stick in our hat when we were able to achieve that um, certification and the ability to provide that to our students and our community. So as far as your enrollment there at Columbus, uh, I know y'all are a pretty much a typical 4A school. So the city limits kind of serves as, um, as the school for students who want to go to Columbus High. They could magnet out to another school though. Is that true? Or do they have to go to yeah. the side? No, they don't. Um, what happens, we get kids from all across the school district. We don't have a zone. Right. Okay. Um, so um, the kids, what happens in Muscogee County, this is, we're right in the middle of it right now, uh, is the uh, magnet testing season. So every school gives their magnet exam. Gotcha. And in about two weeks, three weeks, every student who tested for a magnet will be able to log in and they will see all the magnets that they qualify to attend. So that's kind of and how that your point enrollment time, is built. They have a selection. They have a selection conversation with their parent, and they'll either select us or whatever other high school they tested for. Um, but once they select that school, that will be the school that they will attend in the fall. Um, and this is really quite that simple. Um, so it may be, you know, we don't have an attendance zone, so other kids can come here. Kids who do have an attendance zone, they can go to their zone school and be in their magnet, or they can test in, and if they pass the exam for that school, they can go to that school outside of their attendance zone. So do they qualify for transportation or busing? If they're yes. a certain Muscogee distance County, away from the school? Um, provides busing to all magnet students in the district. Really? That's a good offering. Yes. Yes, it is, because I know I've, I've heard other districts say, okay, you go to a magnet school, you got to do your own, you got to provide your own transportation. 
Um, and that's what I've heard from most Muskogee. Yes, that that's good for Muskogee because I, you know, most every magnet school that I've ever come across is that the option is there to, to attend, but the transportation is not always there. So that's uh that's unique there. So kudos to y'all's district for doing that. So let's kind of uh, dive into the topics today, and we'll start off with athletics there. Um, you know, as you think about the role of athletic director, you've been one in the past. Do you use like the administrator type model or do you use like a head coach type model? Well, um, we use more like a head coach type model. And I'll, I'll say this much. Um, I was an athletic director in middle school and I was also an athletic director in high school when I was an assistant principal. I was actually the first assistant principal in Muscogee County to ever be um, the athletic director. Um, and so it was a unique um, experience. Um, I know in smaller counties it happens all the time, but in a district of this size, um, it, it usually does not happen. But um, I want to, you know, start this all off by saying I, anyone who's out there and was a coach, they fully understand the uh, workload that goes into being a coach and the sacrifices that go into being a coach. Um, that still hasn't changed across the district or across the country. Uh, I never saw either one of my kids take their first steps. I was coaching. Um, so when it comes down to athletics and um, being an athletic director, we definitely want to take you know care of our student athletes, but at the same time, we want to take care of our coaches and everything that they could possibly need because they make sacrifice after sacrifice on a daily basis. But getting back to your question, we pretty much use a head coaching um, method here. My um, athletic director here at Columbus High School is um, Chad Mathis, and he told me he used to be his. Um, coach over in um, Peach County That's when right. he was in high school. That's right. So uh, I've, I've forgotten. So y'all do employ a head coach model because, uh, yeah, yeah, Chad Mathis is from Fort Valley. And uh, um, I couldn't remember if y'all still did, if y'all did an athletic director as an, as an assistant principal, as, as, a, as a coach. So do you have a preference on that? I mean, obviously you do, or you wouldn't allow it to go the way it is, but... Well, there, there's pluses and minuses on both of them. Okay. And um, there's some ways to do it. When you, when you use the administrative model, you have a little bit more free time. You're not teaching classes and you're not coaching a sport. You're just solely the athletic director. For the most part, it's just, you know, you can do that. And that's a definite plus. It makes getting to the, um, like, region meetings or, you know, your county athletic director meetings a little bit easier. Um, you don't have to find coverage for classes and all these things. It's definitely a plus. Um, now, the downside to using the head coaching model, in my opinion, is you know when you have to model the building, you got to find coverage. That that can be a detriment at some points in time. Then at the same time, when they're coaching a sport, that season, whether they're coaching football and you got the fall season, then they're kind of out of the loop. Or if your athletic director, like in our case, is your head baseball coach, in the spring, um, that's a heavy burden for them in the springtime. What well, a lot of schools in Muscogee County have started to do, they started to employ um, having a, a winter um, athletic director and a spring athletic director. So they have co-athletic directors who um, take the load on when their sport is not in season. So that makes it a little bit better. And we also have the benefit of having um, a county-wide athletic director in Jeff Ballard who um, kind of spearheads everything and he's there to support to all the athletic directors in the school district, that being um, high school and also middle school. 
um, helping them on a daily basis um, with things they need in their building and also anything they may need in dealing with um, GHSA. Okay. What are your thoughts about the new sports that GHSA has added over the last two years and even uh, for next year? Uh, for next year, what about things like esports or game day cheer and dance and bass fishing and girls flag football? Have y'all made a decision over there in Muskogee County about which sports to add and are you excited about any of those? Well, I know if at Columbus High School we're probably going to add them all, and it was just, and it was really strange. Um, we know some of these sports existed in other high schools um, around the state and definitely over in Alabama, um, being here on the border. Um, at the beginning of this year, before Georgia High School even brought it up, I had a group of students walk in with a proposal to start a bass fishing club. <laughs> so it was already in place. And then I had my uh, assistant principal, he was willing to help sponsor it. Um, so that's pretty good. So we're looking forward to that. I know with eSports Club, it kind of came around a couple of years ago, the whole thought about it, and it was kicked around. And we actually put together a team, and um, so we're ahead of the curve on that one and having that in place, and so we're good. And then when it comes down to flat girls flag football, we actually participated in it this year, and we won um, the state championship in girls flag football, um, defeating Collins Hill High School um, in the um, Mercedes-Benz Stadium um, in December. And that was a great experience, and uh, I enjoyed it thoroughly. I enjoyed it thoroughly. And we had a, a great group of girls who participated in that, and we kept, we're still on cloud down about winning that championship. Um, I think it was a great thing about, you know, seeing girls participate at that level in that venue and play as well as they did and represent the schools that day. It, it was awesome. And um, the community came out and supported it. Our student body fully supported it. We took five fan buses to the game that day. Um, just yesterday, um, Columbus Consolidated Government and City Council um, awarded the girls with a proclamation and um, it was a real big deal, and they, and they enjoyed it. So they're still enjoying the, um, the the spoils of their victories. Okay. Um, let's shift the competition. I mean, shift the conversation to maybe um, competition. What are the ways in which you and your school promote healthy competition? Healthy competition? Yes, healthy competition, interscholastic competition with other schools. Well, um, we actually, in our handbook, we go over in detail what the expectations are of our school um, in regards to competition and being good fans and being respectful of other you know, other schools. Um, and the crazy thing about it, I think there was a shift some years ago. You see it on high school, in, you know, in, on college campuses um, with the game day and all these things, and you see the signs. It's kind of, not saying it's got out of hand, a lot of it's funny. Um, but kids can take things too far sometimes. Um, what we try to do is educate them on the fact that we want you to be, you know, competitive, but at the same time, you're always respectful. You're always respectful. We don't do the booing. Um, sometimes we, we hear it and we'll look back in the stands and we'll correct those things. Um, but you want them to be able to compete in a healthy manner. And more than anything, we want them to look forward to competing. Because we think it carries over from not just the athletic field, but into the classrooms and then into the college and then to their everyday lives when they become adults. There's nothing wrong with being competitive. 
but is there's a proper way to do it and a respectful way to do it. Um, so that's definitely what we promote um, with our students. Um, and as you know, there's always going to be natural rivalries between schools, and those things can get heated. And what we've always preached to our students is don't get caught up in the, the social media beast and the fighting on the, the Twitter fights and all that stuff because they can get ugly. And then the thing about it is also we preach to them that things you post now can come back 15, 20 years later and haunt you, Absolutely. Um, unfortunately, and to be mindful of that. Okay. Um, when you think about the most recent uh, reclassification cycle with the GHSA, a lot of talking points were centered around competitive balance um, and even uh, concerned about maybe uh, city schools or even schools like Columbus that may not necessarily have natural attendance zones and, and serve kind of as a magnet school. What are your thoughts and ideas about that? And what do you think the GHSA ought to do to improve competitive balance or any other type of improvements as it comes to reclassification at schools? Okay. Well, I think the multiplier was a step in the right direction. Um, and even for us, you know, we had, we fell underneath that. And the thing about our thing is every kid from Muscogee County, um, our school district has already put in place that only Muscogee County students can attend Columbus High School. So no one outside of the county is going to attend. No one outside the state is going to, you know, no one outside the county is going to attend. That's just it. So the multiplier really didn't have a big effect on us. Um, I think Georgia High School has a very unique um, approach to things, and it's, it's, it's changing with time, and I think they're trying to stay ahead of a lot of things. But there are some issues in sports that if you dealt with them fairly down the line, it will cause some really, really monumental change. And change in almost everything is slow. Um, and I think that's kind of what we're seeing in um, high school sports in Georgia. And like any other sport, like any other sports authority or association, there's a certain level of politics involved in it. Um, even in public education, I tell people all the time, young people who want to go into um, administration, I said, you first got to learn or start to learn and understand that there are politics of education. Even though something might make the most sense in the world, your board might not be able to do it, or you as a school might not be able to do it because of stakeholders or people outside of your organization. It's a unique problem to have. And you have to still navigate all the politics, whether it's in education or whether it's in high school sports. So um, it, it's, it's different. But I think they're going in the right direction. Um, but as far as reclassification, it has a lot of small sub-topics to it that factor into it, recruiting factors into it, you know, and and that's probably one of the bigger problems. When you stop and you hear some of the stories that get told about how kids jump from school to school around the Atlanta area, it's almost mind-boggling right. <laughs> to, to even think about that. And then it happens here. And then in Muscogee County, our problems probably are like twofold because it's not me here at Columbus High School whether worried about whether my, one of my kids decides, you know, oh, next year I'm not happy, I'm going to go to one of the other seven schools in Muscogee County, 
or he might decide that he's just going to go across the bridge and go to school in Central, at Central High School in Phoenix City, who's competed for two um, state championships in football back-to-back. Um, so we get influences on our kids, not just inside the district. We get it from across the water, you know, just five minutes west in um, Alabama. So and that is a little bit harder to deal with. It's unique in the sense that I can't report them to Dr. Hines in Georgia High School. Right. For anything I feel like might be, you know, malicious or not correct, it's it's it's, it's a unique situation here in Muscogee County dealing with it, dealing with athletics and um, eligibility and recruiting. Well, the mobility of student athletes and their families as it relates to school A and school B and school C has certainly uh, changed a lot over the last twenty to twenty-five years, and I think that's kind of what you're alluding to when you say that GHSA is, is responding to some of that. So, unique perspective there, especially with a school in a district like yours that's right there on the border. Uh, we hadn't talked to anybody on our episodes uh, that, that have mentioned uh, anything about a, you know, a border situation with a kid moving and changing schools. But at any rate, let's talk a little bit about how extracurricular activities fit in your school. And when I say that, I mean Athletics, how, how robust is your fine arts offerings? Um, you know, does your community support the student athletes? And you know, with, with pulling the kids from in a magnet type program, do you lose some of that community feel? Just kind of talk a little bit about that. Okay, well, um, fine arts program is very robust. Um, we uh, have won over seven, um, um, one at play state championships and we've also won like six consecutive uh, literary state literary meets um, so it is very very robust um, being a, a liberal arts school we get a lot of kids who come here and they just they love drama they love music they love the performing arts they love it all they love that and they come in they perform at a very high level I think we're very fortunate in the fact that we have um, the Springer Opera House here, and a lot of our kids, from the time they're very, very small, they um, attend the Springer um, um, Summer Program for Children, and they grow up through that, and then they come here, and they perform at a high level. Um, having that particular entity in our community, and we work hand-in-hand all the time, throughout the course of the year, we have multiple, you know, like dozens of students who will be working on community fine arts projects during the school year. And I want to take, you know, you know, take my hat off to Dr. Lewis, our superintendent, and the community who have worked out um, a schedule and a communication process that lets us know when our kids are participating in those events and we make it available to them to be able to make up time if they miss any from school or we also make it available for the other kids in school to be able to go and watch them perform throughout the course of the year. Um, so a great relationship is already in place with that. So we get plenty and plenty of community support. Um, as far as athletics and support, I would say we got probably one of the best um, student spirit, uh, well, collection of student spirit across every sport. Um, it, for any high school in the state of Georgia. Our kids, they go to football games, they go to basketball games, they go to baseball games. A lot of school spirit. And the community supports this as well. I mean, there are times when I think, you know, maybe we have, you know, a few too many high schools 
and, and you know, and the support gets warded down. But our alumni are exceptional. They've always been their supporters, not just athletically, but also, you know, they love the competition aspect of high school. So whether it's debate team or when it's drama going out of town or it's mock trial, whatever it may be, they, they provide lots and lots of support. Um, now, even when I look back at uh, this past, the last month, um, when we, after we had won the state championship in flag football, alumni support um, went through the roof, um, putting together um, fundraisers to buy state championship rings to, um, to treat the girls on uh, the T-shirts and many other things. Uh, so support is always there. Um, so I, I'm very proud of that. From um, a drama and a fine art standpoint, even when kids come here to Columbus High School with us being a liberal arts magnet, we require each kid to take a fine arts class. you got to take a fine arts class to graduate, whether you're taking drama tech or whether you're taking a music course, you're taking band, you're taking orchestra, you're taking uh, drama tech, or you're taking art, whatever it may be. Those things have to be experienced by every kid in this building. And what we start to find is a kid finds a genuine interest in it, and he not only do they take one class, they'll take multiple classes and they'll fall in love with it and experience, you know, just their perception of the world. That's the great thing about fine arts. Um, it's almost impossible to go through any fine arts concentration and not change the way you think or you view the world. And you know, I'll always stand behind and believe that. Okay. Uh, let's move on to the next topic of uh, professional learning communities. What do you think in your mind and the way that y'all treat professional learning at Columbus High School what does it mean to be a professional learning community? And as you kind of think about y'all's professional learning over there, do y'all kind of do some of it in-house? Do you do it as a district? Do you outsource it? How do y'all plan and uh, support professional learning there at Columbus High? Well, here at Columbus High School, um, we do three major professional learning um, activities a year, which is pretty much mandated by our district. But we do others um, throughout the year. I think one, the one thing I always talk about that we do here for our professional learners communities I'm so proud of, um, and let me preface it with this. At Columbus High School, what has been a, a magnet school in the past, and still now we have great students, we have great parents, we have great teachers. Um, with that being said, it's easy to become, you know, a, a whole, you have 65 teachers, it's easy to have 65 islands within your building, meaning everyone is doing their thing and they're being highly successful at it. So when you're highly successful, sometimes you feel like you don't really need the collaboration piece that goes along with being great educators. Um, but that's not the story. The collaboration piece is actually what makes you better and helps you continue to grow as an educator and also as a student because we all want to consider ourselves to be lifelong learners. So with that being the case, when we brought in um, extended professional um, learning and expanded our professional learning community, uh, we had to think of a unique way to do it. Um, the one thing I know I did not want to do was force it upon people. Um, with that being the case, the easiest thing to do is to model it, model it um, as an administrative staff. So we started modeling a lot of things. And we definitely asked the teachers, okay, what would you like to get more information on or learn more about and they told us and we responded in kind by providing those things as a school we definitely want to focus on differentiated instruction um we do have a, our students are very um high level learners but in the, that 
being with that being the case, they definitely need a differentiated structure, and they need to have it on a high level. Um, so we actually went out and we did a lot of training. Um, we actually went to see Carolyn Thomason uh, at the University of Virginia, and um, um, we studied with her. I also got to see her when she was in Atlanta um, at a conference. And we brought all that stuff back, and we taught it ourselves as an administrative staff. And we also brought in um, someone from the University of North Carolina, Charlotte, to come in and teach um, professional development on differentiated structure. Once all that was done, um, we put it right back on the teachers. I said, okay, now we want you to start teaching each other more about this. We want you to start sharing what you're doing in your classroom that relates to this that can help your colleagues in their classroom. So that is where the whole buy-in and the whole level of growth just took off to another level because it became a part of what they did on a daily basis. Um, to expand upon that, we have this thing called a pineapple chart. And with uh, the pineapple chart, um, that's when teachers list an activity that they're doing in their classroom, whatever day it may be, and they're basically inviting the whole building to come by during their planning periods to see them teach that lesson. Um, the thing is, the, the whole idea behind the pineapple is like an international symbol of welcome. Um, so that's why we call it the pineapple chart. You're welcome to come in and do this activity and learn from it, share it, take what you need from it to become a better teacher. Then in turn, it makes us a better school and we produce better um, graduates within our walls. Um, that pineapple chart thing, it, it really took off because I was kind of worried to start with something. I don't know if they're going to want to you know, do this. And then they just, they did it. And, but I kind of saw what was going on is the fact they're very competitive. Every teacher in my building is very, very competitive. And um, it's one of those things about being here at Columbus High School. Um, it makes you, you have to bring your A game every single solitary day. The old adage that, you know, your class as a whole is smarter than you are, that's always true. Here, that's very, very, very true. Um, your B game as a teacher is going to be challenged every day at Columbus High School. You have to have your A, a day. And it's stressful. And it, it really is stressful. I tell all my new hires, it's the toughest job you'll ever have, but you'll walk away from it a better person and you'll love yourself and your students more than you ever have. Um, but we definitely provide the professional learning community to help them expand their craft, to hone their craft, and to be the best instructor that they can be while standing in front of their classes. That's good stuff. Let's talk about aspiring leadership for a little bit. Um, you got a teacher there that's interested in becoming an assistant principal. What is it that you tell that teacher as they aspire to a leadership position? Well, I know the first thing I told them um, is the first thing I was told when I was a class when I taught social studies in middle school. Um, you choose to do it for the right reason. Um, the number one wrong reason. And I tell young aspiring um, leaders this, don't ever leave the classroom. Don't ever go in the administration because you simply want to leave the classroom. If you don't love teaching, you should not become an administrator. That's plain and simple. Um, because at the core of any good administrator is the ability to teach. And not only you're responsible for the learning 
and the growth of the students in the building, you're responsible for the professional learning and the growth of every adult in your building. And now you're also responsible for the growth of every parent who has a student in your building. Because you have to educate them on all the things they don't know about education in the 21st century or what they don't know about their kids' learning. Even as a parent myself, um, even being an educator, I had to take a step back. You know, when my kids were in other schools, middle school, high elementary and middle school, and I was a parent. I was solely a parent. I was not an administrator. But so when administrators did new things in my kids' school, I would call them. I would just talk to them on the side. Okay, this is great. Tell me about it. I wanted to know. I wanted to be a parent, but I also wanted to respect that administrator to be able to teach me and guide me and what my kid is experiencing and when they step off the bus and walk into their school every day. So, yeah, definitely I'll tell them, do not go in the administration simply to get out of the classroom because it's not easier. It's way harder. There's way more responsibility, believe it or not. Um, and everything lands on your shoulders at the end of the day. Uh, I was using the example. So you can go to the Georgia Department of Education's website and you pull up any school in the state. The only name you're going to see associated with that school is the principal's name. Not a teacher's name. Not a student's name. It's just a principal thing. So at the end of the day, uh, everything starts and ends with that administrator. So make sure you go into it for the right reason. Okay. Um, now you're involved in GASSP. I, I mentioned that earlier. How important is it that you think, or that you, that you think, either an aspiring leader or an assistant principal or a principal or any leader in, in education belong to a state association? What is what, what kind of value exists there? Um, it goes without saying that the profession of being in the education profession is tough, it's demanding. And when you see what the new graduates who become uh, teachers, what they have to go through um, to become teachers now compared to, well, I graduated in 94, so it, it's totally different. They go through a whole lot. And when you go through that, and then you even go into administration after being in that, you want to be a member of your professional association because you are definitely a professional. Um, I think I've heard it a million times. You look, doctors are members of, you know, the medical, the American Medical Association. Um, lawyers are part of the bar, their local state bar and whatever the bars, national bars, they have to be a part of it. They, they are members of it. It's a mark of their professional, um, not just aspiration, but their professional achievements and the respect for what they do themselves on a daily basis. So as um, principals and administrators, we need to be members of that. Um, it's all part of leadership. It's not the fact that you, know, you just you show up every morning and you open the building and you're at every sporting event and you support. You do. If you are a professional, be a part of your professional membership, your professional organization. Um, so when you do offer words of encouragement, it carries a little bit more weight. Um, I, I just, it, it carries a whole lot of weight because it doesn't mean that you're just doing it from 8 o'clock to 4 o'clock. Being a part of your professional association, I mean, it's 24-7. It, it's that level of importance. It's that level of um, dedication. So I, I always tell people, okay, you should join. You know, for whatever reason, everyone has a different reason for why they may not join. Why they may not join, but if they actually thought about it, it is very important, and it, it makes you better. 
it, 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 you get to meet people from all around the state and you get to hear ideas and you get to see things differently. Um, in today's society with um, administration, there, there's so much individual and district interior professional development and they get so much of it. They feel like, okay, I can't, it possibly, they can't possibly be anything else out there. I'm getting so much of this here. There's so much more out there that you can hear from just having a conversation at your, um, your Winter Gale conference or your Summer Gale conference or at your Winter GASSP conference. Just having a one-on-one conversation in between a breakout session. Where that's where I've learned so much more than I brought back to my school. I think my teachers can definitely tell when I've been to conference and I come back with all these great ideas and a legal path full of things. They say, oh, God, he's been to a conference. Yeah, I've been to a conference and I got some great ideas from some great um, administrators from across the district and uh, also across the state. And uh, I love sharing those things. So it's very important to be a member. Well, I certainly want to thank you for your time today. I know we all have busy schedules and uh, we carved out some time to get some answers from you. And I hope that our listeners can understand that uh, what you do over there is, is a lot of great work and it's uh, it's a, probably a direct reason why, or one of the direct reasons why uh, Columbus High School is a leader in fine arts and athletics and CCRPI and community support. And uh, it's just, it's good to hear from from principals across the state. So I want to thank our listeners to uh, listening to episode 14, whose guest today is Dr. Marvin Crumbs, uh, the principal at Columbus High School there in Columbus, Georgia. So thank you, Dr. Crumbs, for taking time out of your schedule. Oh, you're welcome, and thank you for having me. Certainly, certainly. So as always, uh, podcast listeners, please feel free to share this podcast on all platforms of social media, and we look forward to recording future podcasts with other principals in our great state. So for now, the Georgia High School Principals Podcast is signing off. Thank you.